Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to episode 62 of the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. Our guest is Sean Horkoff, the Director of Player Development for the Red Wings. Uh, for your listening and enjoyment, we have uh, broken the podcast down into two parts. Part one will be uh, Sean talking about uh, more of an overview of what his job is about and how he approaches it on a daily basis and how he really has to be up on the latest trends in training uh, that are happening today in the National Hockey League. So without further ado, let's welcome Sean Horkoff to the Red and White Authority. And we are with the uh, Director of Player Development for the Red Wings. No stranger uh, to these parts, Sean Horkoff, a uh, longtime uh, uh, NHLer and former Michigan State Spartan. So with uh, that brief introduction, uh, let's bring uh, Sean in. And it's not brief because He's a Spartan, and I graduated from Michigan. I don't want people. I, I'm not going down that road today. So let's uh, let's bring let's bring Sean in. Sean, it's great to see you. Thank you for doing this, especially uh, over holiday weekend. No problem, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to get started. The one thing that I've heard about you throughout the organization and throughout hockey is that you're an innovator. You're one of these guys, you know, you're not that far removed from being a player. I told you last year when I talked you up in Traverse City, I kind of thought you were still playing. Uh, (laughs) But uh, That makes one of us. Yeah, well, (laughs) but if if you can just uh, kind of elaborate how, and and this is no knock against anybody in the Red Wing organization, uh, how you... uh, um, approach your job what is it like for you I mean do you have to be up on not only training techniques or skill development but nutrition like the the whole ball of wax as they say um yeah well I think you know I think for me personally um you know I was a little bit when I when I came when I I finished playing I think that put me into a little bit of a uh, an advantage in terms of of knowing what the, the, the newest things are in hockey. You know what I mean? I think um, uh, that's the thing is that there's, you know, in, in any other sport, when there's so much money involved, there's going to be people that innovate and bring in new techniques and, and new ways of doing things, new ways of training, new ways of off-ice training, on-ice training, nutrition. Um, you know, there's so many different things that go into it. So I was able to, I, I had the benefit of just just leaving the game and being exposed to, to, to all that area. So, um, I think in terms of innovation, in terms of thinking of, of, of new things, um, that put me an advantage compared to other people that may have left a while ago. Right. So you, so you kind of, in essence, you knew today's player, even though you're, you were winding your career down, you knew exactly what these guys are going through. The thing that has changed for me, and I've said this many, many times, is that these kids might be 17, 18, but they're going on 35. I mean, they all have tr- nutritionists or trainers. They have representatives, agents, and all that. Um, was that something that when you were young and coming up, and I know the NCAA is different because you went the college route, but did you have a lot of people in your ear, or were you kind of finding your way? Because it seems like these kids today have a lot of people in their ear. Well, I always, it was, put it this way, it was an area that I always had interest in. I love the, the, the training aspect of it. I love the science that went into it. Um, I was always a guy that was just hungry to get better. You know, how can right. I improve my skating? How can I get faster? How can I improve my on-ice vision, uh, my reflexes, you know, uh, my ability to process things 
multiple things more quickly on the ice, which would make me, you know, just anything to kind of get an edge on the, on the other, on, on the other players and just kind of, you know, find a way to, to get better and, and put me ahead. And I think, you know, when you play, you know, I played, uh, I played a long time, played 17 years. And I think when, when you play that long and you're constantly looking for new things, you, you, you come across a lot of different people and you learn a lot of different techniques, but you also realize that things change. They go through ways. What was popular, you know, last year might not be popular again this, uh, next year. Um, and then also you find out what works best for yourself. I think that's one thing that I've had to, uh, to, to, to learn with dealing with so many different players because we have, a, you know, with all the draft picks that we put, put together, we have a lot of players in the system. Not everything works for the same player. What might work for you might not work for me. You know, so it's a constant. That's another thing too. I think the biggest thing that I do is really try to educate these guys to the best of my ability so that when they're by themselves, um, they can make better decisions for, them, for, you know, for themselves because you can't babysit them all day long. No. It's, just, it's just impossible. Their parents can't even do that. So, you know, how do you empower them? You know, you have to educate them in all different aspects. And the ones that really want it are the ones that constantly email me and text me and call me and ask questions about what I can do better and what am I missing or lay out exactly what I have to do or here's how I'm feeling. Is this the right thing? And um, the good news is uh, we have a lot of those guys in the organization. When you... Uh, uh once they become Red Wings or Red Wing draft picks, I know you can only have 50 guys under contract, and I, I know you have to make, uh, you know, I think the organization had to make a tough decision to decide not to sign Jordan Sandbrook uh, and letting him go back into the draft. I, I, you know, I, we can save that for another time. Uh, but how much contact can you have with them? Because, I, you know, the, the NCAA has so many rules and regulations. I mean, those guys that you draft that are that are going the college bound, uh, bound for college like yourself, can only go to development camp. They can't play in a prospects tournament. They can't. Uh, uh, they they can't participate in Red Wing training camp. They have to do their their college thing. And I, I do know that when you go out and look at some prospects, sometimes you might talk to them, go out to dinner. Is that a violation in the NCAA, or can you really talk to college guys, or, or do you have to maybe through email or something? Oh, yeah, you can, you can talk to them and be in contact with them and their coaches as much as possible. You just can't buy them a house. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't do those sort of things. So, right, right. you know, for instance, when they come, you know, we're, we're us like every other NHL teams, uh, they don't come to main camp because they're obviously playing. But anything to do with them getting money on the side is a uh, that that would affect their student athlete uh, eligibility is a violation. So every, us, like every other team, is very uh, aware of what those rules are. Uh, but in terms of helping them, that doesn't really change anything. We do, yeah, we might not get as many touches on them in the summer as we possibly could. Uh, like junior guys are able to come to the to the prospect camp and the prospect tournament. Uh, not the, sorry, not the, pro the prospect tournament. Right. Um, but, you know, we're in constant contact with the co college coaches. Uh, we see them a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, when I do go out and see them, you know, normally spend the weekend there. So you go for dinner after. Um, you know, we, you build a relationship with them. Uh, constant contact with their, their training staff in terms of their conditioning coaches, in terms of their off-ice training coaches, um, if they have nutritionists, what their nutritionist is. So, you know, my f the first thing that I like to do is really, um, you have to build a good relationship, uh, not just college, but in junior, uh, with the coaching staff, because they're the ones that are in direct contact with these guys right, every day. Right. You have to be on the same page, because if you're given a different message, well, your message is going to be delivered uh, as much as the coach's message is. So, I probably spend, first and foremost, especially when... Uh, we draft a new player or a player gets traded somewhere. 
Um, you know, I spent a lot of time on that early, talking to the management and the, and the, and the head coach, uh, build a relationship there, make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of what we feel that individual player needs to work on. And then once we are, okay, well, let's put a plan together on how to improve those areas and maximize their potential. So uh, that, you know, that brings us back to the 50 contract thing. The better that I can do my job and the better that Dan Cleary that helps me out and is also in the development department, can, can we, that we can do our jobs with these kids, the better decisions we can make on who to sign and who not to sign uh, because you only have so much time with these guys. Right. You know, it's interesting because Tyler Wright always says he's the director of amateur scouting. Yep. Well, I say, you know, I, I might draft them, so to speak, or I'm in yep. head of that, but then I just hand it off to Horkoff and Cleary. Yeah. Once he hands them off to you, um, and, and I think you just pretty much explained it, but your year is you're constantly traveling. I, I can remember uh, being on a plane one time and you and uh, 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 Dan Cleary or Daniel or Danny uh, Cleary, depending on, I guess, the mood he's in. But he, uh, uh, you know, you guys were going through a schedule and I wasn't eavesdropping. We were like kind of right next to each other on yeah. the plane. It's not that big. And I couldn't believe it. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm in Saskatoon this day. Then, you know, then I'm in Kamloops. Then I'm going to go to, you know, Yellowknife or wherever. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm going to Europe. I mean, it sounds crazy. Well, we recognize very clearly how important this time of, of development is in the Detroit Revenues organization. I think in the past we've had the luxury here of being able to let them develop on their own, you know, and just give them time and then let them get to Grand Rapids. And whoever figures it out, we only needed to plick, pluck one or two here and there to put into a powerhouse lineup. Well, that's not the case anymore. And that's just not the case in hockey anymore with the salary cap changes. There's so much more influx of younger players that not only do we have to figure out the best ones that uh, are available to make it, well, how do we get them there quicker? How do we make sure that when they do get that chance that they are ready? Um, so yeah, I think Dan, you know, Dan and I together, we're probably uh, upwards of, if I, we're probably over 300 games a year, which is a lot considering that they only play six to eight months depending on which um, and of course there's Grand Rapids is involved in that as well you know we have a lot of focus on our players down there too but you have to you have to see them you have to see your players you, you want to see them play at their best you want to see them play at their worst um, you want to see them play at different times in the season to know you know how are they to start in the middle at the end how are they coming out of break how do they you know if they come out of a long Christmas break and, and and you know and then and then you look for trends you know and then you try to build so when we build our schedule next year well we're going to know our first year players from this year a lot better so maybe there's a player that um, had a problem with conditioning in the second half well we're going to see him early in the second half to see if that is a problem again and see if they're you know do we need to get on them about conditioning or these are just small examples of right of the kind of thought process that goes into it but Dan and I meet constantly on our schedule, obviously, we're never in the same place, or very rarely in the same place at the same time because that defeats the purpose. Um, you know, but at the same time, too, you know, we'll put, we'll probably put a, it's a little bit different. We'll probably put a little more of an emphasis on the guys that are coming out and turning pro right away. And the first, for sure, the guys that we have to make a decision on uh, whether to sign or not by the end of the year. Um, and then obviously, we'll go through it and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what, who our key and main, pro, you know, key prospects are. Um, maybe see those guys maybe like a few more times, but um, you have to see them all because you don't know who those guys are. You know you don't know who's going to develop. You know we have a strong track record here in the Red Wings of of picking and, and picking good players late to turn into stars. So you can't just say, oh, we're only going to look at the first rounders more than the seventh rounders. That's not the case. You have to really um, figure out who those guys are. But then again, by the end of their th three year run of juniors or two, 
that usually figures that some, so who are the legitimate ones? Who are the ones knocking on the door? Who are the ones that are ready to make that jump to pro? Um, and then by that time, they've kind of weeded themselves out to, to us. And then we'll probably put a little more focus on those guys and try to see them a little bit more. You know? Is it now is David Pope one of those type of guys? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I I was under the impression the first couple of years in college, you know, he wasn't he was on the Red Wing radar, but not his junior year. He was pretty good, saying, okay, let's see what he does his senior year. He really performed pretty well. So here's a guy that. How often did you see them when you knew you were coming down to crunch time with them because. I think, what, college players, you have four years to actually yep. see how they develop. You knew that, okay, we're going to have to, you know, were you instrumental in that? Did you go to whomever, whether it's Ken Holland or Ryan Martin or, you know, Tyler Wright and say, look, um, or, or Tyler, I know you've been watching him. I'm getting the same vibe here. Let's make a go on him. Is, is, is it something like that? Well, well he, he had a great year. You know what I mean? So that wasn't, it was, I think, a lot of it, too, is we want to know, uh, Ryan Martin for sure wants to know, and, and Ken Hall, like how good of a year he had. Is this a kid that can come into Detroit right away? Um, there's very few of those, obviously, but you know Ken doesn't have the time to go and see those guys. He relies us to, on to say, hey, Ken, listen, this kid is legit. Uh, he has a chance at turning pro. And Ryan Martin's the same way. Is this a guy that can come in and help Grand Rapids play when his college career is done? You know, like um, those are decisions that we have to be able to make, and then say to Ryan, listen, you want you should go and see this guy more. So we had a lot of views on on Pope just for the year he had. Um, but to his credit, I think, yeah, I think early in his career, his college career especially, um, you know, he didn't know what it took. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't put the necessary work in. He'll be the first one to tell you that. Right. Um, and then the, when I first got the job in the summer, he committed to coming out, spent the whole summer in Detroit, um, had a trainer, he found, found a trainer out here, uh, really found himself, made some improvements, had a great junior year, and then carried on last year and, and brought it right into his senior year. So he's a guy that kind of, on, on his own, Really, kind of said, listen, what do I have to do? And then once uh, you know, put, put we formulated a game plan for him, and he followed it, and he's having direct success because of it. So I'm excited. He's a guy I'm excited to to see next year. I'm hoping that he uh, that he gets off to a good start. One final question about about um, about your job or the way you approach it. Then I want to ask you about some specific uh, prospects. I'm not going to ask you about you know all you know eleven guys last year, but you drafted eleven guys last year. The year before, I think the Red Wings had six or seven. Seven. Yeah, and then this year, if you don't trade anybody, it, it, it's eleven. When you get them into development camp, which for I guess this year only is going to be at the Belfort Center at Little Caesars Arena because they're making improvements to the Traverse City facility, Center Ice up there. Um, do you because? Let's just say like Michael Rasmussen or if Chalowski's there, and I don't know if he's going to be, but let's, you know, he's, that will be like his third development camp. It'll be Rasmussen's second. You got 11 new kids coming in here. Do you kind of take a a hands-off approach to some of the quote veteran campers? Because you know that these 11 guys, you really have to, they may think they know what the NHL is all about, but it's pretty much up to you to paint a picture. It, well, definitely, it's definitely up to me to paint a picture and up to us to put a game, uh, a development camp together. I think everyone has a little bit of a different approach. You know, my approach since I started it was less on the, um, you know, I guess less on the the scouting of these players and more on just the, the overall development. I want it to be a, just a huge learning experience. I wanted to tackle everything from off ice training. Uh, what you, what what you would do you know post game for recovery to nutrition to sleep doctors to um, and then, and obviously then then the on ice component skills skating um, 
some situational stuff that every every young player needs to get better at defensively and offensively. Some video work. We're going to add some video work um, uh, this year. So really, it's but it, I don't differentiate. Once camp starts, there's no differentiation between a, a, a you know a first rounder or a seventh rounder from 2018 to Rasmus and Chalowski. Now I expect those guys because they've been there before. I expect them to lead the way. I expect them to be on time. I expect them to, lead, to be first in drills. I you expect, expect them, them to be a little more to have higher right? intensity. Yeah. Of course, I just expect that. I'm not going to go. Bang. I just expect it. And if it doesn't happen, they're going to hear about it. And but but now that now that they know me and they know Dan, they know that we they know that coming in. We don't have to tell these guys. They know what we expect of them coming into camp. So uh, and then and obviously because those young guys, you're right. It's their first exposure to them. So when you come in, and I remember coming. I never had a development camp, but I just remember first main camp you're just bright eyed but so that's why I expect them to come in and just follow the lead of the older players really and um, you know and then down the road they'll be the guys that lead the way when uh, uh, when you look at it and you look at your career you know you're a successful player uh, collegiate successful at, at Michigan State you I mean you've tasted success there's no question about it um, did did you think that you would end up staying in the game in this capacity, or did you think, well, I, I want to be a coach, or why player development? Um, well, I definitely want to stay in the game. You know, I, I, my whole career, I, I listen, hockey's been my life, um, but like you said, I have a true passion for it. You know, I love being at the rink. Um, I love talking hockey, walk, watching hockey. Um, so I just have a real strong passion for it. So through my whole career, I, I did know that I was going to be involved in it after. How was it coaching? I didn't know. Was it going to be management? I wasn't sure. Um, but as your career comes to an end, you start obviously thinking that. You know, I think yeah. my, my last year in Dallas, definitely my last year in Anaheim, you start thinking, okay, what's going to happen next? Um, and then obviously that in the summertime, you know, when free agency came around and the only knocks on my door were kind of lower end teams that wanted me to come in and be help for veteran or be help for the younger guys. Right, right. Not winning teams, you know, I was like, Jesus, this isn't really, this is maybe coming to, coming to an end here. Um, right, so right. I didn't really have a ton of, a ton of uh, interest in doing that. You know, I think if, it, if, if any, if there's a team that had any sort of chance that winning came knocking on my door, uh, that would have been an easy decision. Um, so I was just being patient, kind of waiting for that to happen. And then as, uh, you know, as the summer went on, I think we got about a week or 10 days past, uh, past July 1st, I got a call from... Chris Draper saying, listen, we have this position open, or opening, and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's some interest already. We're a little bit, we've started it, but if you have any interest at all, let me know. Like, you know, I'd like to, so I said, yeah, I said, you know, he said, let me talk to my agent. So I called my agent and he just kind of said, listen, this is, um, you know, there's only so many development camp or player development jobs out there. There's only 31 of them. And, um, it kind of, you know, it, it, it to, to work for to get a chance to work for a, a team like Detroit Red Wings, uh, and, and and Ken Holland and, uh, and Drapes and all these other guys that are involved in the organization, um, it was a little bit too good to pass up, you know. So I think once I kind of, you know, once he kind of just said, "Listen, you definitely have this is something you have to look into," then just went in for my for my first meeting and Kenny kind of laid out what it was. I really didn't. I had a clue what it was, but not the the right. absolute detail of of what it was gonna. Um, you know, the man hours and, and, and what it kind of, uh, um, you know, detail, what the details were going to be for it. Uh, but then, you know, the, the, to a credit to, to Kenny, he also said, listen, you're going to be 
you're going to be exposed to everything, the amateur side, the pro side of it, anything you want. Um, you know, the more information that you want to get, you're more than welcome to sit in on, which is a great, which is a, is a credit to Kenny because not all organizations do that. And that was something that appealed to me because I knew I wanted to get into management, but I wanted to learn all aspects on top of doing my, my own job. Um, so that was something that appealed, appealed to me, obviously, from the start. And then right after that first meeting, you know, I just came home with my wife and said, Jesus, this is something. Obviously, we live here in the summer. Uh-huh. I didn't have to move anymore for my kids. I said, this is something that, you know, it was interesting. I kind of loved the interview. I loved what, what he was talking about doing. Um, first off, it was something that I was comfortable with. You know, right. for really, the last three, really, the last five, six years, that was my job in, in Anaheim, Dallas, and in, in, in Edmonton. We were going through rebuilding was helping bring along younger players, you know. Being a mentor. Uh, being a mentor to younger players. Not, not, not unlike every team's got those guys. Right, right. I, mean, right. I just, just happened to be one of them, you know. Um, so it's something that I was very comfortable in and something that I enjoyed doing. I really liked that in Edmonton. You know, when we were Taylor, when Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle and, and Nugent Hopkins and Jakob, all these guys were coming through, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And then being around guys like, you know, a young Tyler Seguin and, 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 and Jamie Benn in Dallas was another aspect that was great. So... You know, it's just something that, that appealed to me more, and then I just kind of went all in, and, did, and, and there was a few more interviews after, and it, it was still a process, right. but uh, I was happy when I got it. There you have part one of uh, the Red and White Authority episode 62 with Sean Horkoff. As you can tell, Sean is all over the planet and up on everything that has to do with the development of players uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. In part two, Sean will uh, break down some of the uh, prospects in the Red Wings organization and what their plans are uh, for this uh, upcoming offseason and how they will prepare themselves uh, to eventually become Detroit Red Wings.